The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being on our show with us today and tuning in either currently live or you are listening to a recorded broadcast, and we just appreciate you. You've been faithful and and loyal people with me and with uh, Jeff I, and Andrea, I tell you, you've been with us. We're going into our 13th year, and we're very, very grateful and appreciative of you. We um, recognize the intentional spirit, and what we do is we want to bring in um, specialists, practitioners, authors, leading-edge orators who speak about things that are really practical to intentional people. And intentional people are individuals that continue to step forward, that with challenge, they are energized by challenge rather than giving up hope. And so today we have a tremendous author, Alison Carmen. She has years in the legal system. She's been there, done that, if you will. And she has two amazing books, A Year Without Men, a 12-point guide to inspire and empower women. And she has another book, which, wow, like is over the top, just the title. I felt like I could write stories about it. <laughs> Living in it right now, The Gift of Maybe. So, Allison, welcome to our show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Well, I was reading about your your path and... Um, you know, all of your background and everything. And I, I love it when when people have, you know, been involved with, uh, you know, what we would call, if you will, human law. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're involved in systems. And I mean, that that's a different kind of person. It takes a very special person like you to deal in that world. Um, and yet you work with things that relate to spiritual law, you know, everyday humanity. Like, how do we get through this and that? So um, anyway, that was a compliment, <laughs> if you understood Thank you. it. <laughs> and I was just fascinated with reading your story last evening. So tell us, our listeners, um, about, about your life, how, how you have shape-shifted to the things that are interesting today. Yeah, I think it's so interesting what you just brought up before I start about, you know, how we can deal with the everyday world, you know, with our jobs and our lives and the people that we meet and at the same time hold on to our beliefs of who we want to be, you know, our truth. 
and how the kindness that we want to portray in the world and how we hold on to that when the world is always pulling us in in different ways. And so I think a lot of um, my experiences probably came from that. I, I mean, growing up in a very, you know, ma- mainstream, you know, childhood and, you know, I had very loving parents, but they had a lot of anxiety. And so my world was filled with anxiety and I created this addiction. It wasn't on purpose, but I became addicted to certainty. And if I didn't know what was going to happen next in my life, I projected things were going to be bad or they weren't going to work out. And I wasn't aware that I was playing this game, but I was always worried, always upset and always thought the worst was coming. And in order to manage this, what I would do, and I think a lot of people do this, is we write stories. Oh, okay, when I get this job, then my worry will end. When I achieve this, my worry will end. And for me, I wrote this grand story growing up that I was going to become a lawyer, and I was going to get a job at a really great law firm, and I was going to marry this great guy. And I literally had this image of these balloons coming down, and then life would be wonderful. And, you know, just like everyone else's life, you know, well, I was able to achieve those things. I did go to law school. I did get the great job. I did marry the guy who I thought was great at the time. And then I remember walking to work my first day thinking, oh, wow, I've arrived. And then, of course, the second day of work, um, it was down, it was kind of like a downturn in the economy. I found out they were firing half of us, half of the first years. And it was so overwhelming to think that I had waited so long to have certainty. I had waited so long to have this moment in my life where everything would be okay. And then two days later, the bottom fell out. And they didn't end up firing me, but it didn't matter. It was that realization that I will never have certainty in my life. And it took a long time and a lot of searching to kind of figure out what what that means. And a lot of illness, a lot of worry. And then one day, I heard this beautiful story, and it's a Taoist story, and I'm sure many of your listeners have heard it before, and it's about a farmer who has a horse, and his horse runs away. And his neighbor comes by and says to the farmer, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says, maybe. But the next day, the horse comes back with five mares, and the neighbor comes by to the farmer and says, oh, you have the best luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And the next day, the farmer's son is on the horse. He falls up and breaks his legs. And the neighbor comes by to the farmer and says, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says, maybe. But the next day, the army comes to take his son to war, and they can't take him because his leg is broken. And the neighbor comes by and says to the farmer, you have the best luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And in the Taoist tradition, it means things are neither good or bad. But for me, probably because I grew up on Long Island, (laughs) I grew up in the United States, that story just gave me hope because in my mind, when something bad happened, I never thought there were other possibilities. I never thought it could get better. I never thought other things would happen. It was like literally game over. And the story about the farmer always reminded me the horse leaves and five mares could come back. This happens and that could happen. And I started to play out this, to play around with this idea of maybe. And what maybe did for me, it actually changed my entire life because I realized that the unknown is my best friend. Because if I don't know what's going to happen next, that means things can change and things could get better. And so maybe what my thoughts are not true and maybe what's happening right now I can accept and maybe something will change tomorrow. And it sounds so simple, but it allowed me to embrace the unknown and hang out in the same place with people who just have faith. So for me, out of all the things that have happened in my life, 
I think my relationship with uncertainty has been the biggest, most important relationship in my life. And then finding this idea of maybe and finding hope within the unknown has really changed it and allowed me to do so much more with my life. You know, I, I just have to say that, um, I mean, for, you know, 49, 48 weeks of the year, there's someone else on our show, there's someone doing something, there's someone talking about gratitude or addiction or parenting kids or, you know, whatever, and um, holistic medicine, homeopathy, but um, I just think you really nailed it with this book. You know, now I'm not a, a I'm not a publishing house, but I just think it it's so uh, it's 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 shocking, uh, but yet the uh, you know the title like my book was very pertinent to our times too. When did you die? Uh, eight steps to cool. stop dying every day and start waking up. But the publisher that wanted me said you got to change the title. I said I can. It was given to me, but people die every day energetically because they're doing jobs they don't want to do they're in marriages they don't want to be in you know yada 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 energetically speaking but your book I love that you know you you address our it is our number one addiction is certainty and um it's just so powerful how I mean in the true spiritual life of metaphysics of beyond the physical I mean, that really is the energy of what it's all about is how to bring from the intangible into the tangible what you've never seen before, the new emerging you. But we uh, truly train children on up, right, to put things in a box. Uh, anyway, I, I just think it's profound what, what you've done here. And oh, Thank you. Thank you. And the reason why... We, we do this is right. We all just want to know we're okay, right? We want to have that feeling of safety and security. And so we look for certainty and we think that that's going to give us what we really need. And I think those of us who have, you know, gone down the rabbit hole deep enough, we know that it's a lose game. You end up in the short end of the stick, right? Because then you don't end up living your best life. And there was no certainty to begin with. So we might as well find another way to live with what we don't know and have a bigger life and a greater life and a deeper life. And uh, it's not easy, but there's no escaping it because every decision we make is based on a relationship with uncertainty. The doctor we go to, the person we marry, the job we take, what we're willing to do, what we're willing not to do, it's all based on our okayness and our safety and our willingness to really live life to the fullest and engage in all that's possible. So, yeah, and um, and look, and the unexpected gets you in many different ways, right? But how we show up for it is what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And is there a, a story that you have, or stories that you have from other people that have written you from the book itself of aha moments or paradigm shifts or things that have happened? I mean. You know, it, it is in alignment with, you know, what I was saying that not that I'm, I'm certainly not trying to make my material, you know, similar to yours or anything like that. Um, I, I'm just simply saying, though, that there is a, a, a deep connection to energetically people dying and getting old. 
You know, I mean, I love that statement that says some people live a hundred years and some people live one year a hundred times, right? Um, mm -hmm. In unity or in our kind of teaching, which is the difference between religiosity where a fish is in the aquarium and can't get out, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people like that kind of religiosity structure. You're a fish and you're in the aquarium and that's where you stay. In spirituality, you are... The aquarium is there, but you swim outside of it. You know what I mean? Right. So our yeah. saying is that we are here to offer the comfort to the afflicted, but we are also here to afflict the comfortable. And there is the illusion that as long as I am certain about where something is in my life, even if it does not serve the changing me, I'm determined to do it because I am in the illusion of control and certainty. Yeah. 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 And, mm -hmm. and we can have the utmost compassion, right? For that game people play because we have children and, and we have people we love and we have things we care about so much. So we think that that's how we're going to hold on to it all. And so, and I get it. I, you know, I've fallen into that trap so many times in my life, but I know that eventually, like I said, you end up at the short end of the stick because everything you did to control the things around you wasn't always for the best. And, and that's why when we can cultivate a better relationship with the unknown, at least we live a more authentic life. And, you know, what's so interesting is I wrote this book in 2014, you know, before uh, a lot of stuff happened, before, um, you know, the pandemic, before there was a lot more instability in the world. And yet I thought, that I had really grasped this idea of the unknown. I had taught it. I was living in maybe. Life was great. And then my second book, which is called The Year Without Men, is a book about really all the men in my life kind of leaving all at once. My husband came home one day, uh, June 30th, 2018, and he said he was leaving me. And what's so interesting is that I thought that I was living life with a loose grasp. I never in a million years thought my husband would leave me. I was riding that certainty. Whatever was happening in the world, that was my home base. That was what I thought I was always going to have. That was the life I thought I was going to have. Grandkids, retirement. I had thought that was certain. And it wasn't. And so even me, you know, having written this book and thinking that I had conquered the what wasn't conquerable, what wasn't possible, I really found a really, you know, scorched earth, devastated place to be and something I never expected happened to me. But I have to tell you that this book, The Gift of Maybe, was the reason I got through it. And I remember two days after he told me he was leaving me, I, I, I cried for 48 hours straight. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I actually keep The Gift of Maybe um, at my bedside and I, I took it into the bathroom and I was crying and, and I was weeping. And I opened up the book, and I was just looking for something, something, somebody save me, somebody help me, somebody tell me I'm going to be okay. And I, I opened it up to page six, and it actually said on page six, my biggest fears, and one of them was, would my husband always love me? And I didn't even remember writing that. I was like, how did that get in there? But it was like one of those moments of grace that, I knew that if my biggest fear was written in the gift of maybe, that meant my life had maybe. And although I didn't feel it in my heart that day, that was, for me, another way 
to know that the unknown was going to provide me with another possibility in my life. And it was hurtful and it was painful. And that's the thing too. It doesn't mean life's not going to be hurtful and painful if you embrace the unknown. But at the same time, you have this hope within you that you won't be stuck and that life can change. And maybe there's something in the moment to embrace, or maybe you'll try something new. And it was that idea that allowed me to get up every day and stay hopeful because, you know, despair is certainty. If you think about people who sell you despair, they're selling you the past and they're telling you the past is going to dictate what happens in the future. And it's a really easy certainty game. They use statistics. They say this and that. But the truth is that nobody knows. And so maybe I find is the hope within the unknown. It's allowing yourself to be hopeful but not attached. And that was actually what led me back to a life was this idea of maybe, and, and in the year without men, I, you know, I talk about that in the first chapter and all the other things I learned, but it's always my relationship with uncertainty that dictates how I expand and show up. And I think that's for, that's the same for everyone. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's something as, um, it, it's with so many things, you know, it's the parenting, and uh, so determined that your children aren't taught the same thing you were by your parents, not you, but the collective you, in that there's such a determination for a new level of, of certainty that there's still not the allowing um, to really investigate or explore or create a space that a child may be something entirely different than what anybody has ever known. You know, it's um, the senior and the junior and the third and the fourth. Let's just keep robotically repeating the same old patterns, you know, so we can be comfortable. Um, yeah. it, it, you look at the um, American diet, you know, the, the certainty of how people are trained for the certainty of how much you can get for a small amount of money. And so people go through the same drive through windows um, I, I got so tickled because when I had my little goddaughter and now we go through a drive-thru window, I didn't even know what to do. Because <laughs> I don't do drive-thru windows. But it, it's just it's just the, the, the American diet, as simplistic as that, of certainty of eating the same things all the time. And then the body over time develops an allergy to eating the same things all the time. And then through the allergy develops inflammation and then we have people teaching us that you're supposed to have tires around your belly because you're a certain age and you're not. It's that your body is reactive with red energy. And I don't know, it just fascinates me sometimes that we know all this stuff, but it, you're, you're right on. It's the certainty that one allow for the surrender, isn't it? I mean, you're the expert here. I'm... Well, no, you're absolutely right. You know, it's so I would, you know, let's just rather, you know, be. Uh, I used to teach stress management, and I don't say this anymore because it's you can't hardly say a lot of things we used to that we thought were funny. But I'll say it one more time. You know, women get upset when our jeans are tight. Men get upset when they can't fit in their car. Uh, but it, that's not. You know, we can't. We can't say that anymore because you know that's not etiquette, and we're selecting gender and all that. But. Um, <laughs> It is fascinating how people would rather accept stagnation and and being duped about what reality could be 
versus the willingness to change and study and investigate and look at something different. It, it is amazing when you think about it. We can be easily herded in any particular direction anytime, it seems. Right, right because th we think that that will lead us to okayness. And it was so interesting what you said about parenting. For me in my own life, I think that, I mean, my husband leaving me was, was probably the most difficult thing I've experienced, but parenting was very challenging because I have yet to meet a mother or a father who, who doesn't have some type of attachment to their kids being okay. And I think that's what happens is that we're so fixated on them being okay that we get totally addicted to their futures, addicted to what's going to happen next, and then we try to control it all. But the interesting thing, what I saw in my own life is that when I didn't fear the unknown, I was able to hold a, a looser grasp on parenting, meaning that it, when I stayed in maybe, I kind of let my children have more freedom. It's like we don't allow the freedom because, like, you have to take this class and you have to go to this school and you have to do this because then you'll make a good living and then you'll have a good life. And then when I see that there's no maybe in that, there's no openness for possibility, I can still have this need for my child to be okay, but I can hold it loosely and I can realize well, maybe things could still work out and maybe there's another path. So our relationship with the unknown, again, will allow us to be a better parent and a less fearful parent and a parent that knows that things don't always go as planned, but it doesn't mean that things can't be okay and it doesn't mean that our kids can't find their way and there can't be triumphs. And so it's a really interesting thing because we're attached, but at the same time, how do we hold that loosely so our kids can be free and figure out, who they are. That's the thing too. It's like we're so scared of the future that don't, we don't allow our children to find their own destiny. And so that's a really interesting thing, parenting. You know, I actually wrote a parenting book. I never published it. And it was called uh, Maybe Everything's Okay, A Parenting's Guide to Less Stress and Worry. And it's, uh, it's a big issue. But again, maybe and your relationship with uncertainty will make you a better parent because you'll know that everything can still be okay when, when it's different, when it's new, when it's unknown, when the answer is not in front of us, it could still work out or we could still find our way. And, and I guess that's a type of faith. Sometimes I say maybe as a cognitive faith. And uh, I once had a healer say to me, why do you call it cognitive faith? If you're able to hang out in the unknown and trust that you will find your way and trust that you'll be okay, and maybe it's just a type of faith like anything else. And so I've been so blessed to be able to cultivate faith in my life through this one practice. And that's why I love it, too, because it's so easy. It's so easy to know that life has maybe and to do the maybe practice and get to a place where not knowing is good. And that's my hope for people, that they'll be able to see, I don't know, but that doesn't mean it's bad. And I don't know, and I could still have hope. And I don't know, and maybe I could try something new. And I don't know, maybe I'm still safe, even though I don't know. Yeah, that's just incredible. And just think of had people, um, I mean, I, I feel that, you know, that is that is part of our, our teaching of, you know, being grounded in, I mean, it, it, it's another level of deep spirit, we would call it mysticism you know, the ability to live in the mystery, right? Um, yes. is one facet of that. But those of us that are comfortable with change or not knowing, it's been very obvious 
that we've been a lot better off than those that can't stand to be caught off guard during this period of time that we're living in right now. You know? Um, yeah, yes, 100%. Be, yeah. 100% because we're, uh, we're more flexible. We're more living in what we don't know. I mean, I, I've always used uh, Joan Bornesinko's statement. I've used it so long. I'm, I'm hoping she'll just one day just say, you know, you can have that. But anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the richness of life is somewhere between the no longer and the not yet. The no longer and the not yet. Oh. And that's so beautiful. You know, people will go to great lengths to end a relationship if they even accept that they're willing to live in that uncertainty, right? And they'll right. leave the relationship and give them 15 minutes, and they already are with someone new. They're cuter, but they haven't done the integration or the soul retrieval, and so then they just have the very same thing that they just left all over again because there's not enough time for the no longer in the not yet for that window, you know, that comfortableness of the gift of maybe. Yeah. This is a really great, 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 great um, conversation today. Everyone go on um, the website, alisoncarmen.com. That's alisoncarmen.com and check out uh, her work and blog, and she's an excellent writer, and all the other things that she's about. You know, that's for sure. This is just really wonderful, Allison. I just really, um, really, really love your work. This is great. And um, I'm sure it's timely to a lot of people that are, that are listening right now. I also want us to talk about the other book, but we definitely had to talk about the gift of the gift of maybe. And I love the book cover also. I, I like to use the analogy of how a plant knows so much in its own intelligence, the will to be to be present, it will break through cement in order to do so. Mm. You know? And yeah. who are we to be less than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> of, um, oh, that's so beautiful. That's, and that, was, that was actually the inspiration for that cover. Um, was that thought, that breakthrough, you know, and who, what you, exactly you just said. I wish I, I thought of it that brilliantly. But that was the thought about that breakthrough moment and then, and then the splitting off of all that's possible. You know, who are we also to think there's one way, right? There's never that's one right. way. And that's when we get caught. We get caught right. in one way of being. And it's the most limiting thought we have is this needs to be a certain way or I expected things to work out this way. Um, very tricky. Yeah. Hold that thought. Everyone, we'll be right back after this short break. I want to thank you for being with us. Go to alisoncarmen.com and we're going to keep you on the edge the second half just like we have this one. See you in a moment. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh, I'm just so, so, so enjoying this conversation. I needed it for me, being a person that's getting ready to relocate across the United States and a whole new road and path and everything. This is just so timely. As we're talking to Allison Carmen today, you can go to her website, allisoncarmen.com. Um, she has written two very successful books, The Gift of Maybe and A Year Without Without Men. I'm, I'm very interested in exploring that one as well. I want to thank all of you for uh, staying in touch with the show and sharing it with your family and friends, the, the shows that you feel are pertinent and really you know touch your lives and your hearts. And also we had Gary Zukoff last week. And so uh, Gary is an excellent, excellent uh, guest had lots of wisdom, so stay in touch and look at some of the former shows. We're just delighted you're here. And you can visit me at templehaze.com. So, Allison, um, there's just so many directions to go with the certainty part. And and um, I, I was wanting to tell you something that I thought you would find interesting because you're always resonating with blogs and stuff like that to go with your material and your books. Um a couple of years back or longer, I was interviewing on the radio the Florida representative of um, funeral services. And don't quote me on that. That's I'm not saying it correctly, but it's like, you know, he was over, whatever. And we were talking about how even today uh, in the 21st century, I was saying how I'm originally from South Carolina, and I was saying how if someone died in South Carolina, I can't hardly change my schedule, get a flight, and get there before they've already buried the person. (laughs) You know, like, whoa, you know, it's a quick turnaround kind of thing. And he was saying that people are still responding the way they did in cave time that you had to go ahead and bury someone because of the body. Right. And that, that is just so not necessary anymore. There's no rush. There's no hurry. And so it was just coming up for me when you were talking about, we just do the same things. This is what we know is how we feel comfortable. It is, I don't know. I just find it fascinating because I, I won't say a hundred percent of the time I thrive on change. I think that, uh, I would like to say I'm a huge percent. I know I am, but to me to do things the same way all the time is just so boring. You know, yeah. it, it's just, it, it ages me. And I, I don't, I don't like to do too many things that I would admit age me. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know, you're talking about, you're talking about sitting in what's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, in this day and age, there's, you know, turn on the TV, do this, do that, order in, take out. Like you said, it's like there's this, there are uncomfortable moments in life. And I guess maybe that uncomfortable moment is in between the no longer and the not yet that you were talking about before, that window. And, and for me, I've learned, especially over the last three years since my husband left, that 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 was the gold. It, it, it's a painful place to be. It could be a scary place to be. It could be a hopeful place to be. 
But allowing the discomfort is usually the transition to change. And, and it's at that moment, if you could allow that space not to know, allow that space to be vulnerable, allow that space to, for something new, you're going to end up in a different place. And it was so interesting, you know, you gave the example about how someone leaves a relationship and then they go to another one immediately. That's what happened to my ex-husband-to-be. He did that. He went from a 27-year marriage to another relationship within months. And I'm not saying I'm better or worse, but I know that I sat with the uncomfortability because I said there must be something more to learn from this. There must be something new I can create in my life. Why would I want to go back to what I had before when I have the potential to be more? I have the potential to learn something about myself. I have the potential maybe to achieve dreams I never thought was possible. But you have to allow that uncomfortable moment where I guess, you know, like you said, you don't bury the body, right? You, you sit with it. You, you don't move on. You allow all the grief, all the fear, all the worry to process it, and then what's left? Maybe something beautiful, maybe fertile earth. And so that's the thing that's most important when you're uncomfortable, don't reach. Allow yourself to stay in maybe. Allow yourself not to know long enough maybe to find another way. And, and there's this great exercise that I always do. Um, it's in both books. And it, it, I ask myself, what's my biggest fear in this moment? And I guess if I go back to when my husband left, my biggest fear was, well, when he told me he was leaving, my biggest fear was he would actually leave. Uh, I was afraid I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. I was afraid about all these things. And I wrote all my biggest fears down. And then I asked myself, am I absolutely certain those fears are true? And that is one of the most beautiful moments in the world. It's like you can't be certain of anything, which means you can't be certain your fears are true as well. And that was such a profound moment that I said, well, I can't be certain he's going to leave. I can't be certain if he leaves, I won't be okay. I can't be certain life won't turn around. And so knowing that my fears were not certain, then I start to write maybe statements down. And first, I write really broad statements. Maybe I could be uncomfortable and get through this. And maybe I could still be okay. And at the time, I was thinking, maybe we'll stay together. But if we don't, maybe there's a life for me. It might not be a better life, but maybe it could be some type of life. Or maybe the best is yet to come. And then I would write specific statements down. Maybe I could go get some help. Or maybe I should leave the house. Whatever it is, when you do maybe statements for 20 minutes, you're not as uncomfortable because you recognize that your fear is not the only possibility. And that's what happens. We're so linear. We think our fear is reality. We think our projection is reality. We think we only have one way. And if you allow yourself to do, you know, there are other ways to do it. But for me, the maybe practice for 20 minutes a day, it just always allows me to see, okay, that fear could happen, but so many other things can happen, things I can't even imagine. And that's when we let things sit, and that's when we're not in a rush, and that's when we let new things happen in our lives. And, again, I was so blessed to have found this practice before my husband left because it prepared me. It really prepared me, and also it prepared me for the pandemic. I never in a million years, I was, I was stuck in New York City in the apartment with both my children, and I remember in the beginning, I felt so overwhelmed and frightened. I mean, it, we, I was sitting in a place where the cases were the highest. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I had maybe. And so I had fear, 
but I also knew that there were other things that are possible. Even now when I read news stories and I'm very interested, I like to know facts, but I don't project those facts into the future. I say, okay, this is what's going on in this moment. But I can't be negative because other things could happen too. So I'm very interested in being an activist and being active and caring and going out there, but I'm not interested in despair and negativity because there are miracles and there are possibilities and there are maybes. And with that, there's uncomfortable, but that's okay too. It's okay to be uncomfortable in life. It doesn't mean you're not going to be okay. That was, I think, the biggest lesson that I've learned through all of this. Yeah, and I think you uh, you nailed it earlier when you were talking about, you know, um, if I heard you correctly, you were indicating like how, how much your faith had increased. And I think a lot of times people have a disconnection with faith, at least in my humble opinion. And that is that, you know, faith isn't just... It's, it's always that I can count on the same things happening about the same way on the same day, about the same way so I can be okay. Faith is in right. what we don't see. Um, like I, I like to say, um, you know, gratitude is giving thanks for what I see. Grace is what I don't see. It's that whole other, whole other level that is exciting. And I don't know what it is with some of us that we seem to get that a little easier than others. I mean, even in my alcoholism or dysfunction or lots of therapy on the other side, I still, there was always something very, I always knew that you could always go back to what you knew, but why not be willing to explore something else? And I, you know, the hanging on and clinging it, it's really hard for me to understand. I, I don't know if it's because uh, I've been in, you know, I've been working with with humans all my life. That's my field, and especially the one that you're talking to, my voice, this human. But um, I, there's always just been such a curiosity, and I wonder if it's uh, the difference between old souls, you know, people that really believe they're an old soul and they're they're just willing to be out there, or are new souls or is it, is it, is it because that in the USA, we're still such a young country, you know, because Europeans, I don't know, they seem to ride the waves of a lot more than, than we do. What, what do you think? Or, well, I think that's really interesting because, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm an old soul or new soul, but I, and very deep and, and very committed to my spirituality, but yet my tendency is to cling. I always say, be aware of the person who write, writes the book. They need it the most. <laughs> I, have, I have a tendency to want to attach. I have a tendency to want people to tell me it's going to be okay, to want to know my kids are going to be okay, to want to know I have this money in the bank. And I know that's where my suffering is. I know when I start to cling, I start to suffer. Because you cannot close every circle in life. And so I don't know why I came to came this way. Maybe it was because my parents were warriors. Maybe it's my pathology. Maybe it's my nervous system. I don't know what it is. But without the practice and without this constant awareness of letting go and surrender and maybe, I would cling. And so, and it's so interesting, I was very close connection with the divine and yet I have this leaning we all have leanings like you have a leaning not to cling 
Right, you have a leaning to have more faith, and I have a leaning to cling, and so we all need practices. So, and maybe that's why I was the gal who wrote the book, right? <laughs> because I found a way to let go and surrender. But every day for me, it's I have to be conscious and aware of it. And I do think the United States, I do think how we're brought up has a lot to do with it. I think our culture has a lot to do with it. If you think about it, if you even go back to death and dying in cultures around the world, you know, the elderly live with you and there's no hospice and there's no hospital and they die in the home. And it's, it's a natural thing to happen to care for people who are dying and, and then the body will stay there and there's not this rush. So maybe it's how we're set up here to make things look pretty and make them look nice and move around quickly, but it doesn't serve us. And especially at a time when everything's moving so quickly and there's so much unknown, I think we have to find another way. So I don't know why I'm like this and I don't know where it comes from, but it, it's probably one of my biggest challenges. And I'd like to say I've overcome it, but look, something happened to me three years ago that created that addiction all over again and I had to find my way out of it through the practices I developed so I don't know it's funny where we're on two we come from two different places but we end up at the same place right right exactly exactly well take um tell us about your other book it's your most recent book and it, it just sounds so beautiful um tell us about that a, a year without men um it was really my experience of my husband leaving me. It's so funny because this title just came to me, and a lot of people think it's uh, a book against men. It's not. It's a book about what happened in my life when the men left. My husband and my biggest client, they, they, I was with my husband for 27 years and my biggest client for 25 years, and they both left me the same week. And then a week later, another one of my clients called the Motherhood Center. It's an all-woman um, company, it's a day hospital for women with postpartum depression, invited me to come in to be their chief financial officer. And within two weeks, most of the men in my life were gone and I was surrounded by women. And what was so interesting about the experience that it did deepen my commitment to uncertainty, but also it showed me the places that I was hiding and the places I didn't love myself and the places I was judged. And it, I kind of was able to remove myself from a lot of the stigmas that society puts on women or puts on individuals and kind of go back to basics and kind of get to know myself better and find my real strength and resilience. So uh, the book is a, it's a beautiful, um, hopefully lesson book for people and especially women who feel that they don't have a, a way to put their power out in society or they're lacking the confidence or the resilience. I think it explains a lot and it, it's very helpful. And for me, it was my pathway back to life. Like I said, I relied on this marriage to be okay. And when it was gone, I saw I had to find a way to be okay on my own, but I also found the places I didn't really develop myself. So it's, a, I guess, a story of triumph and, and pain, but also of beauty and and the experiences that we're, we have to face in life and how we could show up for them. Wow. Well, you know, that's, uh, it, it, it's such a, uh, it's also a generational thing, isn't it? And, um, I mean, where I, where I grew up, um, I'm still growing up, but where I was raised, <laughs> 
Maybe I should say that. Um, in a small town, um, it was easy to be, it was easy and hard. So it was oxymoronish, I guess. It was easy and hard to be a girl, a woman. Uh, there, there were just so few things that women did, you know, and, and if you did, then, um, you were a trailblazer and, um, and not necessarily admired for it. Because again, what you're talking about of pushing through the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the place. It's so interesting that in my book, I actually, the first thing, of course, I talk about is uncertainty, but for women, if uncertainty gets you, it's going to be really harsh because you're not going to be a trailblazer. You're not going to step outside the box. You're not going to find a place to put your power because the road is not clear. And so especially for women, if, if they could heal their relationship with the unknown and really kind of embrace it, they're going to find a new paradigm out there for them, a, a place where they could start businesses or stay home and raise their kids, whatever they like, but do it from such an empowered place, not from a place of doubt and fear and insecurity, but from a place of strength. And again, it, that to me is also what holds women back the most is if you're not willing not to know, it's going to be hard to find a new way to be. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about, um, you, you give um, 12 steps, right? Um, yeah. Elaborate on those a little bit. You know, I talk about uncertainty and I talk about acceptance. That's another one, too, when, you know, if there's no equity for women and you're sitting in a boardroom or you're sitting in a meeting, acceptance is a big thing. We have to accept the moment for what it is. And, and when we're able to do that, we could possibly be the first person in the room to solve the problem. I talk about, you know, beauty and I talk about self-trust. And that's another thing when my husband left. I saw that there was this thing growing inside of me of who could I trust? Who can I trust? Who's trustworthy? And I saw that, that if I went down that path, that my whole life was going to be about the other person. And it was like four o'clock in the morning uh, and I just wasn't sleeping night after night. And then I realized that in this journey, if I trust, I'll be okay no matter what then it doesn't really matter what the other person is doing or thinking. Yes, I have to have discernment, but I could know for myself that I will be okay and therefore I will take risks and chances. And, and things like expectations. Like there was also a point where I realized that if I kept telling the story that this was not supposed to happen to me, that I was supposed to be married my entire life and share grandkids and retire and that story of how my life was supposed to be was keeping me from the life that was in front of me and the potential that I still had. And so there were these realizations and, and over time when I committed to them, I created a new life for myself, even through the pain. Like it doesn't mean I didn't have suffering, but when you start to kind of cultivate these new ideas as you're suffering, you're creating, you're creating new ways to be new ways to think you're living more in your blessings. And for me, it was just a pathway back. And it's three years since that happened to me. And, you know, sometimes I still have pain, but 
I've also engaged in a new beginning, and I believe that every day is filled with new potential. And so I, I'm just very careful not to tell that story of what I thought my life would be. And I, every day I'm like, okay, this is a new day. This is a new story. This is a new beginning. And I think when people could look at life like that, they're more likely to live a full life. I don't know what will happen next in my life, but I know that I'm game and I know that I'm open and, and it kind of makes me excited um, to think about these things. So this was my path and I hope that whoever chooses to read the book, that they'll have a similar type experience, that they'll be able to let go of what doesn't work and let go of the doubts and the fears and the things they've picked up along the way and allow themselves to start again. Because that's the most beautiful thing when we, every day when we could start again and, and embrace the unknown, right, and allow beautiful new things to happen in our lives. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's, just, it's just fun to, you know, be a student of life because you really can, you know, learn um, every day and, and to tune in, you know, raise your bar to pay attention. Um, I realized um, years ago that around, um, <clears throat> around men in high-end positions, my voice would change. You know, my tonality would change. And I would start talking more. Not quite. I'm <laughs> accentuating it. You know, it wasn't quite that bad. But it was noticeable. I became yeah. very girlish. You know, I mean, I, I love being a girl. I, I am a woman. But, I mean, it wouldn't be the way I would talk to anybody else. You know, it would just be like, oh, <laughs> like mousy. You know, and and these things we can do. And, um and not even be aware that we're doing them. And it, it changes the way that one would respond to us also. You know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and what we're willing to say. You know, our you know, we're we're taught to be liked. We're taught um to not make waves. Like so, you know, we're taught to change our demeanor. And then when we do all those things, we're not being our most creative self. We think that oh, we'll just do this and we'll get along. But what I've learned is that getting along doesn't, doesn't often allow you to get to your dreams and allow you to fulfill your destiny. And so the more we allow ourselves to let go of those things, we show up as ourselves. And then we could be our most creative self. And sometimes people won't like us, but, you know, we find a way to be okay with that too. And I find the more we're ourselves, the more we attract, the right opportunities and we attract the people that do want to be with us and do appreciate our voice and our life's purpose. So it's tricky because a lot of us have been brainwashed to behave a certain way. But I think a lot of women know that something's a little off, you know, that, that we have to really kind of go back deep within ourselves to go out there again and, and give it a try. Oh, that's, that's for sure. Well, um, Good work, great gal. <laughs> it, it's just such a, a real pleasure to, to meet you and see what you stand for and, and what you are about. There's really powerful stuff. Do you do speaking engagements? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, during um, COVID-19, they've been, <laughs> they've been a little less, but yes, I I give speaking engagements. I work with clients. Like I said, I'm also the part-time CFO of the Motherhood Center. 
Um, and I'm open and game for anything. It's like I'm in maybe. So um open to all opportunities that come my way. That 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 that's beautiful. <clears throat> well, um how do you feel this work has shifted or changed you? I think it's allowed me to live a very deep sacred life. It's allowed me to get to know myself and it's allowed me to live with less suffering and more joy because my biggest fear was I was not okay. And my biggest fear was things wouldn't work out and my children wouldn't be okay. And I was living in a constant projection of doom and gloom and through my work, I've been able to surrender and let go and, and kind of experience life as it's happening and enjoy the things around me and, and look at the unknown and rejoice in it and have those, that space that you talked about, you know, between, what did you call it? It was between the no longer and the not yet. And Yeah, and Joan, uh, Joan Bernasinko, a really yeah. renowned author. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere just like the live in that place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then also, I think I have so much more success in my life because I've chosen these things. I would have never written these books. I would have never taken that job. I would have never done so many things if I didn't allow myself not to know. And that's my hope that the reason I write these books is that it alleviate some suffering for somebody else and then maybe allow them to kind of gain a voice and, and cultivate their own power and live with less fear and experience something they never imagined was possible. And that's my hope for everyone. That's awesome. Well, it's truly been a pleasure um, to be with you, everyone. AllisonCarmen.com. You can follow her work and be engaged in her blogs, her ponderings, her writings, and especially now as we are truly, truly just immersed with uncertainty, left, right, and in the middle, would be a great time for you to make a connection with another way of seeing uh, by an author and a writer. So thank you for being with us. And Allison, thank you so much for being on our show. Really, really great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.